This is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we're reviewing one of Sam's picks. Uh, so, Sam, tell us what you picked and uh, defend yourself? I'm not sure, sure it's necessary. I don't think it is neither. But anyways, <laughs> so I picked Revival Volume 1, You're Among Friends. And when I picked this, it was completely Daredevil. I had no reason other than I liked the cover and the premise of the dead coming back to life. And then I read it, and I really enjoyed it, so I think it's a really good story. So that's all I'm going to say about it right now. Uh, yeah, I've got one call me I'm going to make once we're off the air. But, uh, yeah, I was just giving you a hard time. I, I had a really good time with this one. I, I think it was a really good pick. And um, <laughs> For a Daredevil pick, yeah. You're making yeah. all my Daredevil picks look bad. <laughs> no, no. You make your Daredevil picks look bad. Oh. <laughs> oh. You do. You made that oh. all by yourself. <laughs> hey, I had Lazarus, so I'm 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 expecting Lazarus to carry me for a long time on my Daredevil picks. I mean, that yeah. that may come up again, so just hang on. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into the live action Batman grades, and this is our unique, strange, uh, <laughs> quirky. What's Sam Fletch doesn't say the word quirky. Um, it's our grading system that's unique to our show that is based on the men who have thus far played Batman in live action. And uh, Mr. Pattinson may, uh, he may change this scale in ways that we didn't think that uh, was going to be the case after that last trailer. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's the, from best to worst, it's Bell, Affleck, Keaton, West, Kilmer, and Clooney. Uh, and Josh, you have the privilege of going first. What is your live action Batman grade, sir? I don't know that I would call it a privilege because I don't know where you guys are going to land on this thing. Uh, but I went uh, Affleck. I went next to top with it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think it needed – it could have been better, but it wasn't bad. It was it was a fun read, and I would recommend people check it out. So Affleck. All right. Well, I think that's an outrage. Uh, this, this is a bail. Uh, I had a blast. Um, I had a great time. I was – flipping pages, starting the next chapter as soon as I could. I had a great time with this thing. And this is another Lazarus sort of situation for me. Uh, one that came out of the blue, not a book I would have picked up myself. Uh, didn't think it would have been for me. Um, but man, <laughs> without this show, I would never have read this book. I'm so glad I did. Um, I will definitely be reading more. And I knew I recognized the name of the writer and it finally clicked into place for me. This is the, this is the guy who's writing Bloodshot now. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not quite cut up, caught up yet, so I haven't started the new Bloodshot series, but I'm even more pumped to read Bloodshot than, you know, than ever before. So, yeah, this is this is a hard bell for me, man. All right, same. Okay. Well, you're welcome. Uh, also gave it a bell. I was, I was worried I was going to have a great inflation because it was my pick and uh, really, really did enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, now, I, I, would, I would give a content warning uh, to our re- to our listeners, um, yes. there there is some tough stuff in here, um, and due to the fact that almost all the characters are female, all of the violence is is female violence. I know some people struggle with that. Um, uh, you know, people you know, life's messy sometimes, and people have been through some stuff. And I mean, if, if that's something you struggle with and don't want to <laughs> might want to find your entertainment elsewhere, yeah, don't read this. Yeah, uh, strong but language can, and some yeah, nudity. Uh, and a lot of violence. Yeah, uh, a lot of violence. Uh, I know. I know. For a lot of people, like it's appealing to have like you know, like most of the major characters be female. But I'm also just like I'm thinking. You know, if you're coming here because you like that, then you might want to know that this is a very violent book. It says all the characters are female. It's going to be a lot of violence toward women. So just if that's a problem for you, you do not need to read this book. So. So you, you've been warned, and also that this is going to be our spoiler warning. All right, so the creator credits are, um, there's a lot of creator credits here. Uh, I'm going to read them all. The story is by Tim Seeley, art by Mike Norton, colors by Mark Englert. I don't think I said that right. Uh, letters by Crank with an exclamation point. 
<laughs> I don't know how you choose that as your name. But. Chapter art is by Jenny Frizzalen. Designed by Sean Dove. End page illustrations by Craig Thompson and Francesco Gaston. Um, a lot of good work there. Uh, mispronounced probably a third of the names, but they get the point. I think it was a great. It was a. I think it was a, a fun story, and it's a great looking book. So I'm not sure what a designer, what the designer did, but he did a good job. So I mean, it was just a great looking book. Um, but I put the spoiler one in the wrong place, didn't I? You it's did. Over. You know what? It'll be all right. Yeah. I was so you focused on now. making sure I got that content warning in. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. I, I listened to, to a couple of the podcasts review this book, and there were a couple of people that re- that was a real problem for. And so I just thought I would take a, a, a minute there and explain that. So, hmm. um, th- I mean, there was a couple of folks that had, had some happen to them in the past, and that, that made, them, made them, they couldn't enjoy this book. And so oh. I just thought I'd, I'd mention that, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's get into the pyramid. Uh, who cares if I miss it the spoiler warning? It'll be all right. We're not doing the pyramid, are we? We're doing the When you do the breakdown. Jeez. Act like you've been here before, kid. It's only like our 60th episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, okay, I don't edit that when you all mess up. I won't edit that when I mess up either. There so. you go. Yeah. Stay in. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Time for <laughs> the boss last breakdown. <laughs> the only thing broken here is my, is my hosting abilities. <laughs> well, wait till I try reading my issue breakdown. Yeah. I can't, it can't go worse than last time. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> All right, Sam, get the first issue. All right, so I wrote very legible this time, so I could read it. So, all right, issue one starts in the morgue with a, the dead coming back to alive and a ghostly white figure walking by the water. A Zorse, a Zorse is that right? A zebra mm-hmm. horse dies, yep. and Officer Cypress goes to investigate. On her way there, she finds her sister on a bridge and decides to take her to the crime scene. They arrive at the scene and go into the barn and find an old lady pulling her teeth out. She attacks and kills her daughter by accident and then stabs Em in the chest and starts attacking Dana, only to have Em save her by cutting off the top of the old lady's head. (laughs) So, issue two picks up with the old lady, Mrs. Dittman, uh, having her autopsy performed, where she comes back to life for a second time. Uh... Dana, or Officer Cypress, is pulled from the Reviver team for bringing her sister to a crime scene. We then meet a suspicious guy who claims to be a demon remover. I don't even want to use the word exorcist, but he's a demon remover and seems to have some inside knowledge about what's going on. Then Dana meets her CDC counterpart, and M gets into a fight. Not so much a fight, she gets beat up. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think everybody knows now why the content warning was necessary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, there's so much. Uh, issue three. Dana argues with nearly every human she gets near. The ghost, <laughs> ghost, yeah, uh, rears his head again. Mrs. Dittman fails to steal a baby, so she destroys a funeral home. And May clumsies her way into the hands of the Limp Biscuit exorcist. Same. Yeah, she falls in, uh, May falls into the basement and finds a phone, and then the police show up. Elm dreams of the white ghost and wakes up with her head bleeding. Elm goes to the police station looking for Dana and bumps into uh, May. They drop their phones and pick up the wrong ones, and Elm sees the ghost figure on May's phone. May leaves the station and gets kidnapped by, I called him Mr. Abel. Elm follows them to the building in the woods where Mr. Abel plans to use May as bait to catch the ghost. While Elm is watching the building, the ghost sticks up behind him. Right. And then issue five uh, picks up with Elm getting possessed by the demon or spirit and sees some of the guy's past life. She's able to spit the spirit out and she fights <laughs> off Mr. Abel. Elm may have killed or released the spirit from Earth. I'm not sure what happened there and helps May escape. We then find out that M was having a relationship with one of her college professors, and there's probably some shady stuff going on there. The end. You yes. skipped something. What I skipped on that one? When uh, when she gets on the snowmobile. Oh yeah. Guy. Yeah, that was part of the help and may escape. Sorry, I was on a time crunch for my breakdown. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I want to hit that plot point real quick. So yeah, because because she feels immortal, she gets onto the back of the Limp Biscuit guy's snowmobile, gets in front of an eighteen wheeler, and they get pulverized. I don't think he survived. No, he didn't. <laughs> she she is broken to bits and laughs because as she starts to heal because uh, because she can't die. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was trying to condense. I was hoping you were going to do the funny with it. I was hoping to. I was. I was looking forward to a good line. No, oh, no. I thought I had a good line in there. She got blowed up by an eighteen wheel or something like uh, that. No. Opportunity so, missed. All right. Anyway. It is. All right. Now, can we can we do the pyramid now? I think we can do the pyramid. pyramid. Time. <laughs> <laughs> we had three okay, for pyramids. <laughs> Let's talk about the story. I'm going to go first. <laughs> Let's see if I can not butcher this section. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, so I'm, I'm first here. Uh, I think the setup with the Revivors, like sort of the big picture of what's going on, is really interesting. It's a good launching point. Um, but the first moment, man, I get, I got super intrigued. Because I thought I knew what the story was about. And then there's like a page with like four panels on it where you see different people reviving. Except for like the third panel is like this ghost alien looking thing walking through the woods. I'm like, okay, what's happening here? <laughs> What what it, and at that point from that point on in the story I anything I was ready for anything like I was I had no idea what kind of story I was reading anything could happen I wasn't shocked after that I just kept anything goes and I felt like that was just a genius way to set up the story yeah I, I think it was artfully done too like you said it's over the top and it. There's so much over-the-top stuff, but it doesn't feel cheesy or done poorly. Like, it's over-the-top in a good way. Like, kind of mind-blowing. Like, wow, what's going to happen next? Like, I think it was done well. Yeah, and I, and we knew we were reading a, a mystery story. We knew that was sort of the, the setup. We thought it was just about the Revivors. But, but there's so many different layers of mystery going on here. Like, we don't know what made Revival Day happen. Um, we don't know who killed him. Um I mean, guess she's a reviver nobody knew. Apparently, she had been murdered on Revival Day and had been left somewhere, apparently. Um, and then she woke up and didn't want anybody to know. Um, and there's the whole thing with geez, the stuff between Dana and her dad. There's, I mean, we find out a little bit of what went on there uh, with they, some, of, some of Dana's uh, life choices, I guess you would say. Um, and that he's still disappointed with her and has never let it go. But we don't know what all went down there. Um, there's just so much going on, you know? And even like, we even got like a little scene with, uh, with the uh, CDC guy. Like, you know, he separated from his wife, apparently like something happened there. And I mean, there's just, there's so many layers of stuff that's happening here. With, like every character with something going on. It was yeah. just a, it was just a really great setup. Even, even the ghost character. I, like we mentioned before, I'm not even sure if that's a ghost <laughs> or if that's an actual alien causing them to revive. Because that's kind of where I went when I first seen it. I thought, like, oh, man, it's a ghost. I mean, uh, an alien. And then since the alien's there, people come back to life or whatever. And it turns out it probably is a ghost, maybe. I mean, like you said, there is so many things going on in this book. And that, I really enjoyed it. It, it kind of had like, like a lock and key feel. Like the, the mysteries going on and all this other stuff. And it's right up my alley with the horror, the, the scary stuff and all that just really dug the whole thing and even the way the story unfolded they done like days and time stamps on it so if you pay attention to that like it's an hour later two hours later then they have like a little flashback and then a jump a day or whatever and just the way they blended all that together worked so well yeah the uh i forgot what i was going to say i was going to make a point while ago i was going to jump in what i was going to say well I, i've got i've got a story question then while josh tries to get his brain kicked back into gear um, so the, uh, the scene out in the woods at the old guy's house, the old guy bizarrely, you know, obsessed with working out and listening to rap music. So he hears one outside, right? Yeah. Now I thought it was the main ghost, but there's like a hint later. There's a second one. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's two ghosts or was it, or was it the same one? I, oh, I, I know for I a fact a it's a, it's a, a ghost for a baby. Fact it's a baby. It, yeah. That's, that's what, what, that's what I thought. Yeah. But, yeah. Because he thought he heard a baby crying out there. Because at first he went out and thought somebody was hurt. And then, like, an issue later or whatever, the, you hear the baby crying. They show, like, a little baby laying in the snow. A ghost baby or whatever. Yeah. That's why, that's why I kept going back and forth if it's an alien or a spirit or a ghost or whatever. Because if that was an actual ghost, why would there be a ghost baby? Yeah. 
So I, I wonder if it's like a, if it's an alien who who landed and is sort of tapping in some kind of like collective memory of the day or something. Yeah. And and yeah, I, I don't know. it's it's, it's intriguing. It's intriguing. Yeah, it really it's a very is. intriguing story. Right. And uh, what I was gonna say a while ago, I remember now. It, it circled back around, took a little bit. Uh, is, it, it is a mystery story, and you can hear us debating right now whether it was an alien or a ghost. Or like, <laughs> There's always some mystery going on. Uh, but it, it was pretty suspenseful at times, too. Like, there yeah. was some times when I was reading, I'm like, I was, like, getting on the edge of my seat. Like, I was, like, getting ready for something. Like, man, I'm I'm getting all anxious and antsy over here. Like, they, they added a good amount of suspense. And there was some payoff. There was some action. Stuff happened. So I think they balanced that really well between the mystery, the suspense, and actually having some action. Uh, so I, I think they balanced all the different categories they had going at the same time. I think it was balanced really well. Yeah. Even when there's no action, it's still not dull. It's like it's not slow. Like it's a page turner. Like I sat mm-hmm. down and read this thing the first time. Like it took me like half hour. I just turned it and turned pages like crazy. It's like, oh man, that's so good. And it's like, I didn't want to stop. It was so so good. Yeah, the the pacing is is almost perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I and I love the way the stories. At first, you start with like a whole big a big cast of characters who are like doing their own thing and don't connect. But by the end, like as the story progresses, they slowly get weaved closer and closer together, where things start overlapping. Because at first, it's like with the uh, with the Limp Biscuit Exorcist guy, like how is this dude gonna connect to anything? And by the end, he's the the main bad guy. You know, just the way the thing weaves together. I'm like, that's, that's really incredibly well done. Now, you'd said that there's no way he survived that tractor trailer. What if he's a reviver? What if he comes back? I would not write him off as being gone. I, I fully expect yeah. him to be in volume two. Also, I, comic books. Yeah, and comic books. But <laughs> just the, the, the amount of time they put into his story and with what was going on, they were setting him up to have a big backstory with all the stuff Satan's done to him in the past. I think they were setting him up to have more of a part of the story to, to wipe him out at the end of volume one. Like, I fully expect him to be in later volumes. Could be. Yeah, I think there are. I think there are 11 volumes, and I think it's completed. Yeah. Um, now, I did, I did have another story question. Um, so the, the ghost guy... Um, Casper there. Um, now, in most sort of like mythologies or whatever you want to call it, the ghosts are you know immaterial, right? They don't have a physical, corporeal presence. Mm-hmm. Um, when he when he, he gets himself swallowed by M, he looks awful physical. Yeah. And the way she pukes him back up, um, he seems to be a very physical being. So um, well, he we, found the water. M actually held onto his hand, tried to pull him back out. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. Do you think maybe that leans more toward an alien thing, or are we, I, or, or sort of playing with what ghosts are? Well, I I think it plays towards an alien thing because like the first time you see him, he can't speak. He's just doing like oohs and ahs, or whatever. And then he hears Dana hollering for Cooper, and then he works out how to say Cooper. So he's slowly walking around, learning things. That's what made me think alien at first, because he doesn't look like a, a normal ghost. How you picture a ghost? The way I took and it, he's evolving every time you see him. See, I'm 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 going towards the ghost aspect, and I'm thinking that's somebody that had been dead for a long time, maybe that revived their body was so far gone that their spirit came back first, and they're slowly, because the revivers can heal. I mean, we saw Mrs. Dittman get her head chopped off, and then she grows her head back. I think maybe that's somebody that was so far gone that just their spirit came back first, and they're slowly rebuilding a body or something. Okay. Why? I mean, he didn't walk around as a skeleton then. I'm sure he's bones around somewhere. Uh, that's true. So inhuman. It, yeah, it was a weird look. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wasn't getting baby. the alien vibe. It's yeah. totally possible. That's just not what I was picking up from it. Well, me and Jamie's on the same page, so you're no. <laughs> So I'm outvoted. <laughs> okay. Well, Sam talked about him learning. Um, I know we need to move on, but um, what, what if it is an alien who lands and maybe the um, the aliens imprint on somebody else and they take on their memories and personality a little bit? And so what what if the old guy who lives alone and is, you know, a womanizer or want, likes to think of himself in those terms, what if that flashback we see are, are that guy's memories? And this is really like, you know, what happened to him and why he never married and why he lives alone, and why he's isolated himself. Yeah. Um, so may, maybe and maybe the baby is imprinting is going to imprint on somebody else. And maybe maybe they're borrowing people's memories. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe we're thinking too hard about it, and it's an actual ghost. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's intriguing uh, though. But, but I mean, but, 
But it, it, I mean, it's such a good story. We can ask those kind of questions, and and that, and that much is still up in the air, and we don't care. We still had a good time. Right. Uh, I've got one more story question, real quick. I know we spent a long time on story here, uh, but Em, I got the feeling her professor killed her. Me too. Okay. I didn't like the ending point. The way Volume One just kind of petered out and ended, like I didn't think that maybe was necessarily the best ending, but the more I think about it, the more that's leading me to believe that that was super important. That part with him coming back and writing that poem about her, and I think that felt important because he killed her. I think she wrote that poem to him. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I I, I think she had gotten obsessed, mm. and I think. He was afraid he was going to ruin his perfect life, and I think that's makes sense. Do, do you think she knows that? Do you think she remembers? Because at one point she said to uh, Dana, her sister, that, it, that those couple days were fuzzy when she first came back. She don't really remember. Do you think she actually does remember? Uh, she wasn't afraid to mess with him, and so right. I, I'm, I think she might have just said something. Yeah. She remembered. See, I wonder actually if maybe – she wrote that poem to him and his wife found it and she actually killed him. Could be. Because I think, I think he's too obvious. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the writer wants us to think that and it's going to be a twist later on that somebody else killed him. Could be. So. We'll have to read so, and find out. Yeah. So if, you, <laughs> if, if you've been listening and you haven't figured it out, there's a lot going on in the story. There's a lot of mysteries. <laughs> there's a lot to think about with this one. Yeah. Uh, and it was, and like I said, it, it may sound like we're jumping all over the place, the story doesn't feel that way. It flows really well. All, all of the plot threads weave in and out really well. It doesn't feel confusing or like it's just splattered mm-hmm. on a wall. I mean, it really yeah. it flows yeah, really that, well. One of my favorite things about the story is actually how well it all worked together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It, it didn't feel like a mess. We may be talking about it like we're just bouncing from plot point to plot point, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel that way. Who murdered uh, who to aliens to... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you want to move on, or we have any, anything no, else? I'm on good. Story? No, I'm All good. Right. Moving on. Uh, Sam, art, go. So I got art. I'm thankful for that for once. I actually love this art. I couldn't find nothing really wrong with the art. Like the proportions were perfect the way I like it. I never seen nothing awkward. The fight scenes were really good. The scary horror stuff I thought was done amazingly well. Uh, color was good. I mean, like, I really couldn't find nothing to fault the art on. It was like it was just solid all the way through. And I like how like like some of the the scary stuff, like how the, they draw the blood and then wow. like you like Josh said, got intense. Like you're on the edge of your seat, couldn't wait to happen. And they done it through the art too, not just the story, just by looking at the panels. You're like, oh man, you get that vibe. Like it's it's creepy. You know what? You know mm-hmm. something's getting ready to happen, and you can just. You could hear the music in the background, some scary music going with it. It'd be perfect. Yeah, that was that was my first note. The art matches the story. When it was time to dial the creepy up to eleven, they dialed the creepy up to eleven. You know, when it was time for Mrs. Dittman to look like a zombie, <laughs> they pulled that off. Like yeah. when she needed to look crazy, she looked crazy. Uh, but then the other stuff was good too. Like you said, the facial expressions, proportions. I mean, it was all done well. Uh, my first comment was, though, uh, the first thing I thought was, man, I like this art, but it didn't wow me. I wasn't really like impressed by it. And then I remembered the last thing I looked at was Rye. And I was coming <laughs> after Clayton Crane. I don't know there was anything other than another Clayton Crane story that would have maybe been like, wow. Yeah. So I went back and done a second flip through, and I'm like, man, this is really good art. You know, this is my really first impression yeah. was like, it's solid. It's just, it's yeah, it's not, it doesn't stand out. And then I realized what I was, the last thing I yeah. looked at. You can't compare it to Cream. You, you yeah, and, and we went from like one of the most like unique, you know, styles that you're ever going to find in a comic book to a more traditional style. Yeah, but he is really good at traditional it's, comic book art. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think one of the things I wanted to highlight was that he somehow and I'm not quite quite put my finger on how he does it, but whatever the scene is, like the, he manages like the right feel for it. So like when the when the like the mood is like supposed to be like a happy scene or flirty or, or whatever's going on, like it feels appropriate. But when it's time to get intense, man, he dials it up somehow. And I don't know if it's the co- color palette change. I'm not sure what he does, but like if every like every scene, the the mood of the art matches exactly what's happening in the story. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not like just one like 
feel for the whole story. Like it, it changes for the mood of the scene. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think everybody can do that the way this guy does. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think part, part of that is because like you talking about when it gets creepier, or whatever, like background gets darker and all that stuff. But then then the focal point's still bright, so it kind of like zooms in on it or whatever. And then when it's a happy time, it's kind of brighter or whatever. The facial ex- expressions changes. You can tell on their faces what, how they're feeling and what's going on. So when it's creepy, you can just see the dread or whatever on their face. It, I mean, they do really well with all of it. Yeah, I mean, I, the uh, in the end, when M is helping uh, May deal with uh, the little biscuit ex- exorcist guy, I caught myself by the end of that holding my breath. I mean, and it wasn't just the story. It was the art captured it so perfectly. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. so yeah, good. From the, from, from the moment she walks into the old lady's house and the dog is there with her and the dog's like sprinting by to the steps. From there, I was like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, there's this dark, <laughs> empty house. There's this weird dog that comes running up. She's like looking down the uh, basement stairs and it's dark down there. And nobody's answering her calls. And I'm like, this is like legitimate, creepy movie, scary movie mm-hmm. stuff. Like it, yeah. it's done well. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you, Jamie, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know exactly what to point to that. They're able to, to execute the different tones, but they're really good at, at capturing what that scene needs to be. Like the creepy, yeah. creepy scenes are creepy. I mean, it looks creepy. Yeah. It feels creepy. Uh, the intense it's, scenes when Dana and Elmer in the cop car talking, like that feels intense sometimes when they're talking, they feel like they're siblings having like a deep conversation. Uh, so yeah, they were able to capture all the different moods uh, really yeah, well. It, it's subtle. It's not real flash. It's not like they suddenly like change like into a complete yeah. different art style. Something subtle about it. But, like yeah, everything like works perfectly in harmony to make the scene feel the way it needs to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I, and man, the face art was so good. It really uh, was. Everybody's everybody was consistent. Like even with the sisters who look so similar, you could always tell Emma and Dana apart. Um, and I expre- they were so expressive. There was so so much face art that was just. I mean, it was like it was like acting. I mean, you could just see everybody's emotions, what they're feeling. You could see stuff going on behind the eyes uh, on you know two dimensional art. I mean, it's just really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I mean, I I I know we've this we're what this is what the eighth episode since the award show. So like we're barely into the year, but man, this thing for me is it's right now it's the leader in the clubhouse for book of the year. Dang. Uh, yeah. This this thing really blew me away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you guys. <laughs> Pat myself on the back over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Josh, you wanna go first on characters? Sure. Uh, and I didn't get a lot of notes on the character section, uh, but it was probably one of the stronger points of the pyramid. There was a lot of character work going on uh, and not just set up for later volumes. We actually got a lot of character development between Dana and Elm. I think mostly Elm or Martha uh, really saw a lot going on with her. Uh, and even the characters you didn't get a lot of time with felt real. They they had stuff going on. They They had... I think we, we, we talked about this on the last episode with Rye, with uh, Kent there, that he adds weight to the side characters. And I think this came across in this issue as well, on, on, on this uh, graphic novel. Uh, I really appreciated that. Even though they interacted, like the, the dad-daughter combo, like one daughter was the favorite, one was the he was really hard on Dana and Elmo, that their relationship was really good. And then how him interacted with other police officers. I mean, it all had a really good feel in it. In, I don't know. All the characters I feel like had a good arc. Like everybody was changing and developing. Like the, the Limp Biscuit guy, Mr. Abel, him. I mean, all of them. Even uh, the old lady who had her head cut off. She even had an arc, even though she was uh, a reviver. She even had an arc in that. I mean, that, that was very well done. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, one of the things when you're writing a, a, a you know a story that really focuses on life in a small town or or a rural type setting, I mean, you've got to really capture like that these people have a long-term shared history or, or it just feels really flat uh, and, and not real. Um, right. Not only do these, not only do these people feel like, you know, like real humans making real decisions and like with real dialogue, this feels like a real town. It really, you, you can feel their shared history. I mean, like, I mean, I think it was one point, I think it was when um, Emma's like releasing May, um, like she talks about how she wasn't that tough in eighth grade. You know, kind of deal. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, just uh, there's little small things like that. You can tell the like, you can feel the the long term like 
these people, I mean, whether they like it or not, they've been intertwined for, you know, their whole lives. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he does a really good job with that. It even has the, the town has a history. They're talking about when they was traveling to go see the, the upper rich side or whatever. And they was traveling like, so like you can see as the houses were changing and all that stuff. And like, I think it was the CDC guy, whatever said, like, as we go, we just, I guess the payroll goes up too or whatever. So you just even see how those characters act different than the, the townsfolk. Right. Yeah, those, those little de- those little details though give give can give a setting a lot of depth. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, yeah. And, and and even the characters that we didn't get a lot of time with were interesting. They had interesting stuff going on, like the therapist and his stepsister, and you know that was like a twist I wasn't expecting with their whole relationship. Uh, and just <laughs> you know, yeah, the. Uh, uh, Limp Biscuit Exorcist. Like he's an interesting guy. We don't get a whole lot of time with him, but he's just an interesting character. And 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 it's not like a cheesy fake. All oh, these he's a zany character. Look at what he does. Like you know, he's still even though he's kind of weird, he felt real. Like I could see that being a real person. Like I think it was done well. And everything about the way he's drawn screams fake. You know, fraud. Mm. Right. But, but he's apparently like super sincere about it. Like he really believes in what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Well, you don't believe that at first. So it's crazy. Like at first you thought he was a fake. He's yeah. Hustling people. And then at the end, he actually is trying to capture right. spirits or whatever. Like, oh yeah, it was an interesting twist on him. Yeah. But, but like, there's so many of the characters have like, I mean, the way they behave, like raise all these questions that help the plot. I mean, like with like Mrs. Dittman, um, because some of, some of the some of the people seem to have the theory that like the revivers aren't safe, that something about the revival process made them like unstable, made them dangerous. So the question like with Miss Dittman, apparently she had like some uh, some dementia, had maybe some early onset or something, but before she had died and re- revived. So is she acting this way because of her condition before she died, or is it because mm-hmm. of the revival? And Martha is doing, you know, incredibly erratic, dangerous, you know, yeah. reckless things. Is that because of the, what happened when she died, the way she died, or the, her emotional state because of her relationship with the professor? Or is this revival process really dangerous? I mean, yeah. all yeah. that stuff is really interesting. Or is it just the fact that she's learned she's immortal, basically? She can heal from any wound. Would, would any normal person that learns there's no consequences for physical danger? I can go jump in front of a semi. Like, does that just make life seem different? Like, <laughs> I can do whatever I want now. I can't die. Or I, or, or I can torture an upset lady into beating the stuffing out of me in a pub. <laughs> right, yeah. There's, just eliminated a lot of consequences in life. So that just may be a young person with no consequences now. Yeah, there's just so much going on here, man. I was yep. so, I was so impressed with this book. It really was. I mean, I we've got a lot of year left before the next award show. It's going to be tough to talk this thing. Yeah, I'm not writing it in ink yet, but it's in pencil already on the uh, yeah. on the even notes. over rye, even the one we just covered. Yeah, uh, wow. maybe. Wow, maybe he said. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that, this is a tough twofer. I mean, going back uh, to back. But, well, I got one coming up, so <laughs> I th- I've also read Rye like four or five times, so yeah. the, I, did, I didn't have the surprise value. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, this sense. one came out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, all right, you want to give us more? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> Jinx. All right. Uh, so I get to go first. I'm going with best cover, and let's go to cover three on page 58. And that is the ghost alien thing uh, at the bottom of the stairs with May looking down at it, which never happened in the story, but it's a cool cover. Actually, if you had noticed, that nothing on the covers actually happens in the book. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, just, I mean, that was just a, like, one of those moody things too, like it captured the mood of the scene, even if that scene never actually happened. What page was it? Oh, there it is. Fifty-eight. Yeah. yeah, cover three. Yeah, it's not a bad one. Yeah. Might maybe well it's a, maybe it's a space ghost. Could be. There you go, space ghost. <laughs> Sam, what's the rest of it? All right, so the right answer is issue five, page one hundred four. This actually happened in the book. 
That's a good Did one. Did it? Kind yeah, of, yeah. It yeah. was this, the exact same kind of feel, but... Yeah, and her, her jacket's a little different. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a negative image of her jacket. I think it was yeah. black with white bones. Bones, it was. Yeah, uh, I think that was just so gross I didn't like looking at it. <laughs> yeah. I thought, it was, I thought it was interesting. She's got a ghost arm coming out of her mouth. Yeah. yeah. Too much body horror there for me. I, <laughs> I dig it. That was a good one. I, I, and I went with one different. We, we picked three different ones. How about that? Uh, I went with chapter one on page nine. It's uh, M standing outside the barn holding the sickle. Uh, I thought she had it a, a sufficiently creepy look on her face <laughs> standing there with that bloody sickle. Uh, so I like that one. And, and I thought she, she ended up playing a lot bigger role in the story than I thought she was going to from the first couple issues. Uh, issues four and five are real heavy with her storyline. Yeah, so. she took it over by the end. She did. But I, I just thought that was good. That, that, that looks like a suspenseful <laughs> scary movie cover or something yeah that, that that could be like the box of a blu-ray for a horror movie yeah yeah that's what i was that's what i was getting from it all right uh sam best character well we've talked about her a whole lot this show you she's my favorite character just her character arc she had and then when she comes out when she finds out she's a reviver or whatever She's testing her limits because she goes to the pub. We talked about against gets into fights, what she could take, and then she jumps in front of the, the semi. I mean, she's always into something. I just I thought she was a very interesting character. And this is a pretty dreary story. I mean, not not because of like the way it was written, just because of like the, the events of like, of the setting, like what was going on. But I think she brought the most fun and like funny stuff to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with Sam, by the way. I, I'm just jumping in. I'm just thumbs up. Good job. Josh, did you, who'd you have? I had somebody different. I, I think that's probably the right answer. Uh, but like so often happens to me, I get pulled on a tangent on something small. Uh, Mr. Abel, the Limp Biscuit exorcist. <laughs> totally. That guy intrigued me. I want to know his backstory. He's such he, he looked like a punk. He was doing punk moves. He was not the best character, but for me he was the most interesting. Like I wanted to see what had happened to him in his past that made him choose that life. <laughs> like you you went down a very specific road in life and I wanted to see how that happened. He also has the same facial hair as Dr. Silk. <laughs> oh yeah, he does. Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> But I don't know. I just I found him interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously him or Dana would have been the right answer. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I like to I like Mr. Abel. I think we need to have it a word on the award show for best oddball from left field and let Josh just pick <laughs> a whole series of. <laughs> Why not, man? Uh, I, yeah, that's I, why there's three of us. I know you guys are always going to pick the between the three of us. Somebody's going to pick the right answer. So I always just try to go make it fun, man. Now, in terms of like the people I liked the most, I, I think Dana was the most likable character. But yeah. but M was the best character. She was the most interesting person. Right. Uh, all right. Best panel, guys. I struggle with this one. I'm glad I'm not going first. Uh, I'd rather not go at all. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what the right answer. Yeah, I've got, yeah. I've got a pretty good one. All right, Josh. What was your best panel? All right, and I think I may have actually got the right answer on this one. It's page 107. It's the top panel. It actually extends all the way down. It would be a whole page. There's other panels on top of it. But it's when the spirit has crawled down M's throat, and you can see her remembering the guy's life or the alien or whatever it was. And I just like the way it's melded with her hoodie blending into the memories. Uh, And I like the expression on her face, uh, the pain, and a little bit of sadness kind of looks like. I just I thought that was a really clever way to, to bring the memories and her in one panel. I thought it blended really well. Yeah. Could have made a case if you go back one page. It's the the first, basically the counterpart to that panel. It's her with yeah. the memories coming out of her hoodie again. I, I, I like that. Yeah, that's really good. That's better than what I had. Uh, the one that stuck out to me was when I referenced earlier. It's on page uh, eight. It's the third panel. It's when we see that we see Space Ghost for the first time. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. it was so surprising. It's not like the best, like mind blowing panel, or whatever in the book, but it's just like once I came across that panel, I was like, "What am I reading?" Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, was yeah, like, I thought I thought this was a rural noir. I mean, that was the pitch, right? It's just a mystery out out in the other you know, backwoods of Wisconsin. Like, 
now I don't know what I'm reading. And it, it, <laughs> and, it, and it changed the whole reading experience for me, just that one panel did. And so it was just such a, you know, blowing the lid off, you know, all the doors are open, like anything could happen now. And just, it was just such a, you know, tone setter of a panel. Mm-hmm. It is a tone setter. It's not my pick, but I don't agree with Jamie, though. Uh, like all the people are waking up, then you see this alien ghost figure walking, and then at the top it says Old 51 Bridge, and I thought Area 51 when I read that. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> that, that, I think that may be one of the reasons I thought Alien too. Me too. Yeah, because uh, old fifty one, uh, area fifty one. Right. Anyways, my pick is uh, page one twenty two. It's when Em jumped in front of the semi and she's all broken and laughing. It, that it was, was my backup. It's a full page. I used a full page for once, but her just broken body, her crazy look on her face, and then her Joker laugh. She just laying there, and I, I just thought it was a cool panel page. Yeah. That 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 looks like a Joker laugh from a Batman. Comedy. Yeah, yeah. she's just laying there in a big bloody mess, bones yeah. sticking out everywhere. I was hoping somebody picked that. If if you hadn't picked it, Sam, I was going to make reference to it because no. it's a really good panel. Yeah, yeah she, she just, just insane. Yeah, the facial expression sells it too. I mean, she's yeah. she's come come completely unglued. The cheese is all the way off the cracker. Yeah, it's on the floor and she stepped on it. I I, th- I think it's under the, uh, it's rolled all the way into the living room instead of the couch. That's I mean, <laughs> probably got the cheese blood is gone on it too. Yeah, it's probably bloody. I, I mean, to, to, to back Sam up on, on that panel choice, I mean, I spent so much time just looking at her. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at all all of the damage that's been done to her. I mean, there's so much detail there. Yeah. Her toes ringing out of her shoe and everything. Yeah. I mean, her fingers her, are broken. Rib cages, her rib cage is sticking out. Her arm mm-hmm. is twisted around. Like, her hand is facing the wrong way. I mean, yeah, yeah there's so much. Legs, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Next, uh, next word is best dialogue, and we're going to go to page one thirteen for that one. I'm going first, and it's when Emma's um, is trying to reason with Space Ghost there, and uh, so she she pulls that ring out and she's talking to him about his past and the, the flashback she had seen, whether those are his memories or not. Um, I've talked myself into that theory, by the way, um, and so she starts off and says, "Whoever you were is gone. Your past, your memories, buried where your body should have been." In this little circle of metal, it isn't your life. It's just one link in a long chain. Keeping you in a prison making. And she throws it in the lake, pond thing, whatever. Yeah. A body of water. And it jumps in after it. And for some reason, water destroys it. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it was just, I mean, she may be coming unglued, but she can still, you know, reason. And she can see emotionally what's going on with whatever this thing is. Yeah. yeah and then she even tries to save it after that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. That's, I, a, good, that's a good dialogue, though. Yeah. It was just it's kind of poignant dialogue. Uh, Sam, mm-hmm. what was your best dialogue? Uh, you know, I'm laughing. No, I'm playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's page 38 through 39. It's when Cooper, Dana's son, is talking about the Revivers. Let me find him. Time to scroll back to it. He goes, hey, Mom, do you think we're all going to get an extra life like the Revivers? She's like, extra life? Yeah, I like my game. If you die, you get to come back and do it over. And she's like, no, baby. Things are still the same. We still have to appreciate all the good stuff we have. Our friends, our families. Life isn't a video game. Death still has consequences to it. What kind of people would we be otherwise? And I thought that was very interesting. And it's from a child's perspective. That's nothing they've done. But you, you get to see it. So I thought it was interesting. I think it also says a lot about Dana, too. She's a person who's really thought about things. She's a yeah. thoughtful person. She's not just sort of numbly stumbling through life. Uh, mm. she, she's got a real perspective on, on stuff. I, I, I like that for her, that moment. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. You guys both picked something serious. I had a hard time finding something, so I just went with some goofy throwaway line that made me laugh. It's uh, after Mrs. Dittman had uh, burnt the uh, funeral home down, and they were going down and looking at her body. And the guy, the uh, mortician guy saying she doesn't look right. And uh, the CDC guy says, what do you mean? He's like, well, usually if you just stick a knife in them like I did there, you'd get a face full of hot pressurized grandma juice. But check it out. The knife's dry. <laughs> 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 it's just, it's so nonchalantly. just. And that guy had had the worst time since yeah. the Revivors. That poor mortician. I felt so bad for him. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I just thought that was funny. Plus, he's wearing a rush shirt, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, I couldn't pick a serious line. There was a lot of good serious lines. I couldn't make my mind up, so I went with the funny line. Okay, I had a, I had a backup one. Can I can I say my backup one? Mm-hmm. Don't mind. All right. 
So it's when Em is like torturing that lady so she'd beat on her. <laughs> so the lady's complaining about not getting tips because there's no tourists. She says, it's hard to get tip money when you look like your face caught fire. Then you um, tried to put it out with a fork. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was reading that on the couch uh, sitting next to Nikki, and I started laughing when I read that. She's like, what are you laughing at? I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> you wouldn't appreciate it, I don't think. Something terrible. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, that, that whole scene was really funny. Um, yeah. All right. Sam, best horror element? So I don't know about element. I went with scene. And uh, what I thought was the old lady in the barn when she's pulling her teeth reciting a Bible thing, that kind of set the mood right there for the, the whole horror thing. So she's sitting there pulling her teeth out, and she turns around and looks, and all bloody gums trying to put her dentures back in, and then stabs her daughter with the pair of needles pliers. I was like, oh, man, that, that the whole barn scene was just creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Josh, yeah. did you have a different one? Uh, yeah, for uh, for the element, I went more with an overarching view of it, and uh, it was the suspense aspect of it. Like, I think a good horror movie doesn't just need to be blood and guts and slash. Like, it's got to be suspenseful. And I thought they captured that. This this felt like a horror suspense story. And I thought they'd done really good with that. So, the suspense element I thought was best. Uh, see, I, I'm going to go with Sam. I, I want to I go be picture to say Mrs. Dittman. To have somebody mm-hmm. with that kind of power now. Because apparently they get superpowers, too. Because she's just ripping doors off of stuff. Yeah, I mean, like strong. all those yeah. crematorium things. But... Um, but like, I want to narrow it down. Like, so Mrs. Dittman's a big picture. Like all of like somebody with mm. that kind of power who's that invulnerable, um, who's that confused and maybe dangerous because she's a reviver. Depends on well, how this plays out. But it, but it, it starts with that scene when you first walk into the barn and there's teeth everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, that that's when like, okay, so we've already seen us. We've seen a space ghost. We've got teeth everywhere in a barn. I'm like, there's already a Zorse that's died outside. This is going to be a wild ride. Yeah. yeah. It is more than a mouthful of teeth. She's pulled her teeth out several times. Yeah, I that, counted them. There's way more than 28 or 32 or however many you should have. Yeah. There, there was a lot of teeth. There's enough for kids to be playing with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, and that was part of it. I mean, it wasn't yeah. just like some teeth. It was a lot of teeth. Yeah. yeah. Too many. Uh, all right, Josh, best mystery. The best mystery, and I think we probably picked all the same thing here. Uh, it's what we've talked about the most. Was it an alien? Was it a ghost? Was it a spirit? <laughs> what was the crazy walking thing? Uh, I'm still on the ghost spirit aspect. I think you guys have went full-fledged alien theory on me. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that was it. I, I, that's what I'm most curious about at this point. Not not why the revivers happened, what happened Revival Day. Like, Just what are those things? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I want to know what happened to him. Because um, it, it doesn't feel like she's lying. It feels like she doesn't know what happened to her, and it feels like that maybe she's the only reviver who doesn't know. Like she's the only one with a, like with a mysterious death. Yeah. And so, did the professor kill her to protect his life? Did the wife kill her out of jealousy? Is there something else entirely going on? Um, and so, yeah, I just I want to know what happened to him. And why it's so weird, and why is it making her just fall apart? Yeah, I think uh, why she doesn't remember is because she got bashed in the head. But anyways, so my best mystery thing is I agree with Josh, the white ghost figure, but also have a little slashy in the baby ghost because yeah. I found the baby ghost in here. And what page it was, but yeah, there's a baby ghost. What is that? It's up yeah, this. yeah, because it's outside that dude's house just crying. That's why yeah. he's not staying See, at his house. See, I wondered if that was a flashback, and that's maybe when the alien landed, and that's where he got his memories from. Like he was outside imprinting so. on that guy. But it didn't I feel like a flashback. So. Yeah, I don't, th- uh-huh. I don't think so either. But I mean, it's just, it's weird. Yeah. Um. Okay. Going back to my question. Um. So the revivers appear to heal completely, right? Especially from what happened when they died. Um. There's at least one time, I think twice, that M's old injury on her head keeps bleeding. Yeah. What's that about? Well, the first time was when she was thinking about, she had that dream about the the ghosts. That's why I made me think the ghosts had something to do with the revivers. Because she had a dream about him, and her head started bleeding. Hmm. And I think it's what, because it, I think it's how she, how she got murdered. She got bashed in the head, caught, that was her original wound. 
That's why well, she's got bleeding. she's got the the big scar on her, like just below her neck, like right on her neck, on her collarbone area. That's where she got, got stabbed the in the barn. The, the one on her chest where she got stabbed in the barn by the old lady. Now that one healed up. She's got another one that's permanent that you see later right. on. Yeah, I was I was going to ask if that was related to the sickle to the chest or if that was from a previous injury because it seemed like their their other injuries seem to completely heal with no scars and she's got that big scar in her chest so I was curious what caused that yeah but 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 it was a couple of points though where the scar on the head opens back up which yeah. I think is is just it's interesting like why is what's the deal there I don't know yeah I, I gotta read more of this thing yeah all right, uh, you want to cast this thing? Let's do it. All right, I don't really want to. My cast stinks. All right, uh, I'm first on Dana, um, and I'm gonna juke move you a little bit here. Um, I, I know, <laughs> I know the way they're drawn. I don't care. I'm casting Dakota Fanning. Uh, I think she'd be good for the part. I know she's blonde, and this lady is very dark haired, um, but I think she would be good for the part. I think so too. She's a little young, yeah. Well, Dana had Cooper really young. That's true. Well, her younger sister's in college, though, so. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. maybe I was thinking Dana was around 30-ish. That's what I was thinking, right around 30. Nope. She had Cooper when she was 16, and Cooper's not, what, eight or nine years old? Yeah, that makes about 26, yeah. Well, in the one picture they showed with Dana and Elm when they were kids, it looked like Dana was about five or six, seven years older than Elm. And Elm's in college, so I'm figuring she's 20. So I'm thinking Dana's got to be at least late 20s. Okay, How old do you think matter. Cooper is? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right. Yeah. All right. Sam, who's your Dana? Not a bad pick, Jamie. But I went with Aubrey Dollar. Only thing I know her from is that Battle Creek TV show I absolutely love that got canceled. And she played uh, a You want to kiss a death, bro. If you like a show, it's going to get canceled. I know. It always happens. <laughs> It really does. That's true. <laughs> All the shows are like get canceled. Anyhow, but Aubrey Dollar, I think she looks a lot like her, and I think she could be a good role for her. <laughs> I'm gonna if I start watching, I'm gonna run it by Sam. See if he's watching it yet. If he's already, if he's already, if he started watching, I'm just gonna quit. Okay. <laughs> same, same, same. Don't watching any more of this. <laughs> Cancel after the first season, maybe halfway. <laughs> so I'll see your Dana. All right. Well, I was being clever at first, and I cast uh, sibling actresses to be Dana and Elm. I done Hunter King and Joey King, uh, but I didn't really like that, and I just threw it in there just so I could get it out of the way. Uh, but my real picks are going to be uh, Mila Kunis for Dana. Ooh, that's a really good one. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. I think she's got the look for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she looks the part really well, and she she she's a good actress. I think she's kind of got into some of the romantic comedy, goofy movies, but she, she, I think she could be serious when she needs to be. Well, she was on that Saban Dish show as a goofy actress for a long time. Yeah. That's, yeah. I didn't have to use right. Google for that one, Josh. Good job. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sam, who's your Martha? All right. So I went with somebody I thought would look like could be sisters with the one I picked. So I went with Ariel Winter. She kind of looks like the girl. She's modern family, the middle child. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like you. Do you watch that show? Actually, yeah. Okay, maybe you're not the kiss of death. I think it ran forever. I, 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 didn't, I didn't watch it until it was almost over, though. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just now getting caught up. You spared it. <laughs> yeah, I spared it. <laughs> I was going to make sure for, it was going to last before I started watching it. Sam started watching it this year, and this was the last season. <laughs> I started watching it last year. What's funny? Uh, <laughs> canceled next season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a good one. All right. All right. Josh, you, you, want, you want to hear something funny? Sam, you sure. cast Ariel Winter from Modern Family. I cast Sarah Highland, who plays her sister on that show for M. Because I, I think she looks hers. a lot like Mila yeah. Kunis. Yeah. I can see them being sisters. I almost use those two for the same people. Yeah. They do look strangely similar. Yeah. Yeah. I could see a family resemblance for them. I think it would be believable. Okay, so I picked Dakota Fanning for Dana because I picked uh, Elle Fanning for Martha. I figured that was coming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think Dakota Fanning would be a pretty good Dana. I think Elle Fanning would, would just kill it as Martha. Yeah. 
that that young lady has got incredible acting chops, and I think she would nail that slowly but surely coming up, you know, coming apart at the seams character. She's sliding off. And their actual <laughs> sisters. So yeah, it just it was it, probably too obvious. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. It's whatever. All right, uh, our next one is Ibrahim Ramin. Uh, the CDC doctor, Doctor Ramin from uh, Hit Fourth. Uh, Josh, who's your Doctor Ramin? All right, uh, I done a little bit of ethnicity uh, tweaking on this, uh, but I wanted some comic relief in this, and I'm thinking Michael Pena for the CDC guy. I think he would add a little bit of levity. Yeah. He could do the serious stuff when he needs to, but I think he would add some fun to a really dark story. I think there needs to be a couple chuckles in this thing, and that's where I'm getting them from. Yeah, I got kind of an insecure nerdy vibe from Dr. Amin. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me, I, I'm doing a little bit of an ethnicity swap here too. Maybe, I'm not sure. But uh, he reminded me of the guy that played Wilfred Wiggins in the Bloodshot movie. Uh, kind of just nerdy, socially awkward kind of guy. So I'm with Lamorne Morris. Uh, he's he was uh, He's more famous because nobody watched Bloodshot but me. Um, he's more famous for being on New Girl. Yeah, I saw him on that. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I, he's not. He doesn't look like the guy. He's probably the wrong ethnicity, but he gives off the right kind of nerd vibe. I mean, this right. is, Yeah, <laughs> not a nice way to put it. But yeah, yeah. No, no. He he's he's a good actor from what I've saw him in, and I'm down with that pick. Yeah, that's not bad. All right, Sam. Well, I picked a guy from another show that I like got canceled. Uh, really did. I didn't realize what was happening, but it did. But he, he played Mo Hinder from Heroes. His name is Sindhil Ram. I don't know how you say his name. Ramamurthy or something like that. Mo Hinder from Heroes. Let's see. I'm not sure who you're talking about. Yeah, he, no, he, he he'd be good. Yeah, he plays. He's, he's too cool though. Ah, uh, yeah, but yeah. I thought he looked, he looked apart and. No, he does. But I, like I, I just feel like. Yeah, I, I think I, just, I feel like this guy gives off the. <laughs> it's just such a such a slightly weirdo type vibe. Yeah. Uh, now if we were now I had a time machine pick that actually fits better, but I, I'm trying to use the time machine as little as possible. But um, oh, let me find his name. Uh, remember in the Matrix movies, the dad. Remember the family in the train station. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah. dad, uh, I think he, I mean, he that looked like they were drawing him in some of the mm-hmm. panels. Uh, but that was about 15 years ago. So he was already too old for the part back then. I had a time machine pick, too. Uh, I'm trying to name I did not write his name down. I can't remember. But from the mummy with uh, Brendan Fraser, the 99, he was, uh, he played one of the uh, Egyptian guys. Uh, Odid Fair, Fear. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. Sure. Uh, he looks a lot like the, the character the they were guy? drawing. Do what? The library guy? You no, about? the guy out in the desert that was protecting the site or whatever. Oh, yeah. You, if oh, you saw him, you would recognize him. He was in... Yeah. Uh, uh, he <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, he's got the... But yeah, he, he's he's up in his 50s now, so he was definitely too old. Yeah, I thought about Tuatel Edgia for, but he's just too cool for this guy. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that is. The operative. He was in the old guard. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's just too cool, you know. Anyway, uh, so Mrs. Dittman, I get to go first, and I want—I just thought it'd be funny to see this lady do this kind of crazy part because she always plays classy and dignified. So I'm with Helen Mirren. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I thought about her too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who'd, who'd you go with? I want the uh, Judy Dench. She's M from the new James Bond. Yeah, that would be funny. I thought it would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good one. Well, I followed your guy's vein and went with somebody I thought would be funny to see. I'm thinking Betty White. <laughs> I thought about her too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Betty White. Betty White's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think that would be too much, though. I thought about Betty White really hard, but I'm like, yeah, that pull, it would pull you completely out of the show. <laughs> it would, but it would be worth it, I think. <laughs> All right, 
So, and this would probably need to be a TV show, wouldn't it? Not a movie. Probably. Yeah, unless it's like a, a do a trilogy or something out of it. Everything's a trilogy now, where you just yeah, <laughs> expect yeah. it to be a trilogy. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the reporter may. Uh, Sam, who, who'd you go with? So, I like this actress. She's from Suicide Squad. She played Katana. Her name's Karen Fukuhara. I think that's how you say her last name. But I really liked her in that movie in Honors That Picture. Yeah, she didn't have a lot to do there, but she did mm-hmm. a good job with it. Yeah. Right. Josh? Uh, I went with an actress named Kiko Agina or Agina. I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. Uh, Nikki helped me with this. She played uh, from the Gilmore Girls. She was on there. I haven't really star in a whole lot of else. Yeah, it probably would be a time machine pick. Okay. Um, I'm with Jessica Henwick. Uh, I know we pick her all the time. Uh, she was in Rogue One. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Rogue One, wasn't it? Was it Force Awakens? I'm not sure. She's been in some Star Wars stuff. And she was on Iron Fist, and she stole that whole show away from the guy playing Iron Fist. Yeah. That's not hard, though. But anyways. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Point granted. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, so May gives off kind of a competent vibe, but not tough the way Jessica Hewitt normally is. Mm. But I just feel like, you know, but she also gives us kind of intelligence, like and a, kind of an emotional intelligence, the way she gives off in all of her, you know, parts I've seen. So, so that's what we think of her. Yeah. All right, Josh, your best character, the Lint Biscuit Exorcist, Mr. Abel, who you got? I got a gentleman named Mr. Kevin Rankin. Not super familiar with him. You might want to Google him, but he looks like Limp Biscuit Exorcist, dude. He plays that punk character quite a bit, uh, and I think he would just jump oh, right dude. into that role head first. Yeah, he does yeah. look like him. He looks like it, right? <laughs> yeah. Even with a Hawaiian shirt on one of these pictures, he looks like that guy. He is that guy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was in Battle Creek, too. Hey, Sam, um, I like uh, the Umbrella Academy. Don't watch it. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I like Stranger Things. Don't watch it anymore until it's over, okay? Okay, I'll, st- I'll just stop watching that one. I'll wait for more we'll get done. Oh, good. That's, that's why I was still making it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Uh, I'm going John Bernthal. I don't care that he's too old. I just think he gives off that creepy... You know, he can do redneck. We've seen it on, on Walking Dead. But he does intimidating really well. Think, think of that scene in uh, Daredevil Season 2 when he's in that pawn shop. And the guy says the wrong thing as he's leaving. And he turns back and locks the door. And you know stuff's about to go down. Oh, yeah. I, I just I thought of that scene with the way this guy treats like the girl who's pretending to be possessed. And and when he had May locked up in the garage, I just I thought of that scene from Daredevil with Burnfall. So I, just, I couldn't get him out of my head. He doesn't look it right. He doesn't look right. I mean, he's too old. But I just Burnfall's got the right vibe. He 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 played a similar character in a Fury, uh, the uh, World War Two tank movie he was mm-hmm. in. He played kind of an unhinged guy. Like he he can do that role. Yeah. Really. All right. right Same. Well, I had a funny pick because I figured you won't pick him, so I'll go into it. I give my real pick is Charlie uh, Hunnam. Yeah, he's really good for that. But also, I had Josh Lucas because I thought he was going to pick him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's James' go-to guy. I'm going to pick him too. Wrong, yeah. wrong kind of jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a great book, man. This was a solid pick, Sam. Uh, yeah. It was good. I loved it. So I wish there was more on uh, Comicsology. There's only one volume on Comicsology. I tried to get the second one, but I didn't want to pay $10 yet. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. It's already over, though, so you can't kill it by liking it. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> True. If you find a show you like, tell Sam it's terrible so he won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, would you preview our next pick for us? All right, so next week we'll be talking about Cluster. There's no volumes or anything. It's a eight-issue miniseries, start to finish. Uh, it's just called Cluster. 
And here's what Comixology says about it. In the distant future, as mankind discovers life on other planets, it needs soldiers to defend its colonies across the stars. In order to increase the numbers of boots on the ground, criminals are offered the opportunity to serve in the place of incarceration. When a ragtag group of prisoners become stranded on a war-torn planet, they'll need to work together to survive and uncover the truth behind Earth's role in deep space. think yeah, it's going to be good. It, yeah. yeah, we'll see. I've not had a great track record here lately, so it could be absolutely (laughs) the worst thing ever. But I got a good feeling about this one. And uh, for the Marvel readers out there, the writer of this one is Ed Brisson. And so you'll know that name if you're uh, up to date on your Marvel. All right. I think we're done here, guys. Uh, There's a new leader in the clubhouse internationally. So salute. Goodbye, Portugal. (laughs) Goodbye, Portugal. See ya. (laughs) Later.